The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Welcome to another edition of Wizards Half. This is mini-episode 54.5. These are the episodes where we get into all the details we didn't have time for on the main episode. And we have plenty to talk about this time around. I do want to mention that we had a lot of fun with Chad Young from Horror Movie Barbecue on episode 54. The man has lived a life of fandom. There are just so many stories to be uncovered. When he comes back someday, I'm sure we will hear more. And speaking of coming back, we have a feature returning. Yes, the long-lost Mort of the Month. Oh, how I missed you. It has been relegated to the bullpen section now, so let's get into it. Alright, this month's Mort is the Viking Commando? Let's hear it for Crisis on Infinite Earths for getting rid of this dillweed. The Commando, or Valoric as his friends called him, fell in battle centuries ago, and when a Valkyrie attempted to bring him to Valhalla, she learned he was still alive and instead took him through a time warp. Got that? Arriving in the midst of World War II, Vike whipped the bejesus out of some Nazis, catching the attention of some Americans who recruited his Nordic ass, and the rest is depressing. <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't that sound like a fantastic premise? I mean, it's almost like Exo Man of War in World War II. That feels like DC needs to resurrect that. That needs to be some sort of like one shot and we see if people get in on that. I mean, that is a great name. Valoric the Commando just intrigues you, doesn't it? So, hey, he might be a mort, but I think there's some potential there. Speaking of potential, we might have a potential heir to the King of Parody songs, according to the Bunny Award in the Magic Words section. That's right, because a reader named Frank Cruel sent in an email, and his email was from Proton.com. Was anybody subscribed to Proton.com back in the day? Anyway, here's what he said. Dear Wizard, I got hopped up out of my mind on Rockadile Red Kool-Aid and listened to the old Spider-Man cartoon theme song. Here's what I heard. Cider-Man, King Kong fan, yell at kids till they scram, grabs a glass and he sighs, catches disease from fruit flies, oh, James Brown imitation, here comes the slide rule man. Was she wrong? I drink bud, in Ohio there's lots of floods, can she sing to some bread, kill a skunk till it's dead, mayday, there goes the Culligan man. As we go out tonight, it's tequila, salt, and lime. When a drunk we fight, uh-oh, 4am, it is the time. Slide rule man, pork chop spam, check out blonde with the tropical tan. Welcome home, now you're bored, blonde was hot, should've scored. Gas stations where we fill up, now all your friends have thrown up. That's the life of a wizard fan. 
Anyway, according to Jim McLaughlin, sounds good to me. I gotta latch on to some of that Rocket Isle Red stuff. Sounds a lot better than Yoo-Hoo. So yeah, <laughs> just a bunch of nonsense. That's what we come to expect from Wizard. But what's never nonsense are the giveaways. So it's time for Cap's Kooky Contests. All right, the first one here is a bit of a follow-up to a previous issue. This is the Amaze the Agents X-Files contest. Every month in Topps Comics, the X-Files, stamina-filled government agents Mulder and Scully bravely investigate all sorts of weird, funky happenings. Think you can come up with something worthy of their notice? Well, we think so. Come up with the best hoax you can and see if the government notices. Send in a photo that you mocked up of a supernatural event, you know, like a UFO sighting, or maybe a Bigfoot footprint or something, worthy of the agent's investigation. Do a good enough job, and two people in trench coats just might show up at your door and start probing. Or maybe you'll just win some unbelievably cool prizes. So over here, we actually have Mulder and Scully's heads, and Mulder's saying, Don't you see, Scully? This is obviously the work of aliens. It's a cover-up. Scully says, Mulder, you have no proof. It could just be those nice people at Tops and Wizard. So here's the grand prize. One reader will receive an extra spiffy X-Files leather jacket, a Tops Comics The X-Files trade paperback, a copy of The X-Files number one autographed by Miran Kim, Stefan Petruka, and Charles Adler, a box of the Tops The X-Files series one trading cards, and an actual X-Files TV script autographed by a super mystery X-Files star. I wonder who that would have been. Not Duchovny? or Anderson? I wonder. Anyway, second prize, five readers will receive an X-Files trade paperback, a copy of X-Files number one autographed by Kim, Petruka, and Adler, and a box of the X-Files series one trading cards. Third prize, 15 readers will receive an X-Files trade paperback and a box of the X-Files series one trading cards. So either way, you're getting a sealed box of X-Files trading cards. That's a pretty good deal. It says here, this contest is sponsored by Topps Comics, a bunch of people who know the answers to all the mysteries. All right, now for the unidentified legal object, that would be a ULO, we have contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Topps Comics, 20th Century Fox Film Corporation, and their immediate families, or the Yeti. Sorry, Bigfoot, you're out. No abominable snowmen need apply. Except here. Offer void were prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. Come to think of it, the Cancer Man isn't eligible either. He's one nasty bitch. <laughs> well, okay. Now on to our next contest, the DC versus Marvel, Marvel versus DC crossover contest. The two biggest companies around present crossover prizes. So sure, you've heard all about that wacky DC Marvel crossover going on. Well, now you get a chance to do a little crossover yourself. Put on your best dress and do us up a little drawing of a Marvel DC crossover character of your own. Like for instance, what would Peter Parker look like if he were Batman? Would he be a spider Batman? How about if Clark Kent were the Hulk? Would he be a super Hulk? Let us know by drawing up a mixed up Marvel versus DC character. Use any medium you want. Ink, paint, crayon, kryptonite. Draw your best version of any DC character dressed as any Marvel character or vice versa. You might just win some crossed over prizes. Grand prize, one lucky reader will get the whole enchilada. One of every DC versus Marvel, Marvel versus DC crossover and affiliated book. And that's not all. You'll even get one of every affiliated crossover product like posters and the Fleer Skybox trading cards. 
cards. But wait, that's still not all. The winner gets his entry redrawn by none other than crossover artist Supreme Dan Jurgens, and Dan will even give you the original art. Whoa, that is awesome. And I mean, just getting those cards, like those are worth a pretty penny these days. All right, uh, random second chance drawing. One reader randomly selected from all entries will win one copy of every past DC Marvel crossover product. That includes both Superman vs. Spider-Man comics, the Batman vs. Hulk book, X-Men Teen Titans, Darkseid vs. Galactus, Batman Punisher and Punisher Batman, Spider-Man Batman, and Green Lantern Silver Surfer. Heck, we'll even throw out that Wizard of Oz book that no one remembers was a Marvel DC joint product. <laughs> Which is true, I have my crossover classics trade from the 90s, and it tells you in the opening, even though they don't include it, that that was the first official Marvel DC crossover, which is wild. Well, I gotta say, like, either one of those prizes would be amazing. But let's check out the crossed-up legal text. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, DC Comics, Marvel Comics, and their immediate families, or anyone who wears his mother's pumps. You've got enough to worry about. Hmm. We're not judging here. <laughs> fashion is fashion. Alright. Offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. Gabba Gabba Hey! Gabba Gabba Hey! Yep. I don't want to be a pinhead no more. All right, on to the next and final contest here. You know, you'd hope they'd go out with a bang, but this one, man, talked about it last mini episode. It's still a comic I can't believe was getting this much coverage. I don't even remember them advertising, so why did Wizard want to help them out? But Art and Soul Comics presents the Tug and Buster Formidable Follicles Contest. And there's a little thing up here that says, men, people who aren't men, do you measure up? Interesting. It says here, We want to see if you've got what it takes to hang with Tug and Buster, the manliest comic book characters this side of the tracks. So send us a photo of you and your hair preferably in the same shot, where the latter is in its most impressive, massive, turgid, gravity-defined, babe or guy attract an awe-inspiring state. Beautiful bouffants, deadly ducktails, astounding afros, pompous pompadours. Whatever the style, we want to see it. Go ahead and over-moose, because in this contest, size counts. We'll narrow the entries down to the 12 biggest and best and forward them to Tug and Buster creator and hair apparent, manly Mark Hempel. He's still got his hair. Honest, all original equipment. Huh, I wish I could make the same claim. Who will determine the final winners of some tough guy prizes? So the grand prize, one reader will receive a tough looking leather jacket with an original Mark Hempel Tug and Buster sketch painted on the back and an autographed copy of Tug and Buster number one. Impress the babes! Runner up, one reader will receive this here original art made specifically for this contest and an autographed copy of Tug and Buster number one. Still hairier than the rest, 10 readers will receive an autographed copy of Tug and Buster number one. So they actually had two contests where you could win a jacket? A leather jacket at that? That's pretty impressive. Now we're going to check out the hairy legal mess. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Art and Soul Comics, and their immediate families, or, well, bald people, we guess. Uh, offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. Hey, keep away from the flames when you got all that greasy stuff in your hair. We don't need any towering inferno.
infernos of hair here. Well, if you were going to be that Ghost Rider guy from the 1995 Halloween contest, maybe you did want that. All right, guys, and there's one more contest in the works. Yes, this is a Wizards podcast contest. If you've been watching our social media, you know that I am turning 40 this year. Oh, the big 4-0. But I'm celebrating like I'm much younger because that's how I live. And so I am actually going to be celebrating along with the 30th anniversary of Batman Returns from 1992. I am going to be holding a vintage. When I say vintage, I mean vintage party supplies, vintage gifts, all of the things as if it was 1992 all over again. The cake, the prizes, the games, everything. And you could get in on the fun. I've already got my guest list planned out, Michael and Steven and everybody else in my world of retro enthusiasts and comic book fans, but we are inviting one special Wizards listener to join the festivities. I've already put it out there, but it's apparently been a hard mystery to crack. The way you enter is just figuring out my favorite line from Batman Returns. So far, nobody has figured it out, but I'm going to give you a hint because you're a dedicated listener checking out a Wizards Half episode. So if you think you have the answer after these tips, then go on back to our social media post and drop it in there in the comments below and let's see if you are the lucky person getting an invitation plus a vintage prize pack from 1992 that I will be sending that you could open up while I open up my gifts. So here is the tip. The first one I already gave away recently was that the character in the film uttering the line is out of costume and alone in the scene. So they are speaking to themselves when this occurs. Uh, Now the second clue that I will give you is they are referring to a food item. Now that doesn't mean they are talking about food. It just means that the words they use are related to a food item that you just might know. So there's your tip and good luck. I hope to see you at the party. Ooh, but what do we have coming up next? It's time for Robin's Reading Rainbow. So one thing we didn't have time to discuss on the main episode was a wizard news item about the end of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman with issue number 75. It was titled, Sandman Shuts His Eyes. It says here, quote, I suppose I feel very satisfied now that the work is done, concluded Neil Gaiman as his groundbreaking series The Sandman approaches its 75th and final issue. I found myself somewhat sad during the writing of The Kindly Ones, but the wake was my letting go process, and I always knew that the story of Dream would end with The Tempest, which is, after all, a short story about finishing things. The Sandman number 75 is due on stands in January, is a double-sized issue in which Morpheus collects the last part of the debt owed him by William Shakespeare, a story begun in The Men of Good Fortune and continued in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Illustrator Charles Vess, who collaborated with Gaiman on the World Fantasy Award-winning tale, joins him again for this final issue, which also features a bound-in, four-color gatefold poster with art by Sandman cover artist Dave McKean on one side and a Sandman timeline on the other, and a two-page farewell by Gaiman. And while the Sandman Sandman has ended its acclaimed monthly run, the melody lingers on. Death, The Time of Your Life, a four-issue miniseries by Gaiman, Chris Bocciolo, and Mark Buckingham, is scheduled to begin publication in February. Also, we are going to do a collection of Dave McKean's Sandman covers to be called Dust Covers. I have promised Dave that I will write a new Sandman story for him to illustrate in that volume. So just some of the highlights.
highlights from that report there. But uh, here's the thing. I know it's a little bit shocking, right? We're not doing an issue of Gen 13 of a 2099 title or some obscure image comic. Yeah, getting into the hoity-toity stuff with the Sandman. Now, let's just mention, you know, speaking of that timeline, that it had been published for eight years to huge acclaim, very little of it from me. As I've mentioned in the past, reading Sandman kind of feels like homework, more so that you need to have gotten your doctorate in classical literature to appreciate all the layers of the stories. I, I feel that's the reason the character of Death was so popular, because she spoke like a normal modern human, you know? It's also interesting because uh, it's reported in this issue that Calvin and Hobbes, that comic strip was ending, which is another long-term beloved work by a single author that never resonated with me. I was more of a foxtrot kind of guy, but I guess I digress. The final issue of The Sandman is entitled The Tempest, as was mentioned, and you definitely need to have studied the works of William Shakespeare to enjoy the story on anything but the most base level. Like, I played Lord Capulet in a high school theater production of Romeo and Juliet just three years after this issue was on sale, but I'm no expert. I've never even seen Shakespeare in love, so take with a grain of salt what I have to say here as I offer you my thoughts on the final issue of Sandman. So basically what we get is a lot of William Shakespeare as an old man going about his day interacting with contemporaries while on breaks from writing what will be his final play and working those conversations into the script. For example, he goes for a walk with a friend, and they come across kids preparing to burn a Guy Fox dummy in effigy. And so Shakespeare comes up with that famous rhyme, you know, remember, remember, the 5th of September, the gunpowder, treason, and plot, so on and so forth. So I only know that, or anything to do with Guy Fox, from reading Alan Moore's V for Vendetta and enjoying the movie adaptation. Much more entertaining, I would say, you know, and the work of Alan Moore in general than Neil Gaiman. It's very back to the future, this whole story though, because you see all these historical things that it's made mention that Shakespeare may have influenced. Now, occasionally, there are interludes of actual text from the finished script over images of the characters from the play, but mostly it is just him talking to people. I mean, it's just kind of walking around with Will Shakespeare, you know? So what you get is his wife, who is not impressed with his body of work, and mocks his enthusiasm for the written word, expecting him instead to help her around the house like to chop wood. Uh, he's also got a daughter who laments the fact that he was away from home throughout her childhood, producing and acting in his productions. Uh, I have a feeling that this home life is artistic license by Gaiman, as I always thought very little was known about Shakespeare's personal life, and that it was even suspected that he was just a pen name for many different playwrights, but again, I've not delved too deep, I don't know for sure here. Now, one Easter egg I am educated enough to appreciate, though, is the fact that when Shakespeare goes to a local tavern, the lady running the joint is Grandma Ben from Bone Comics. Like, 100% she is drawn to be the Jeff Smith character with the white apron and the scowly, squinty face. I guess the artist Charles Vess was just having some fun doing an homage. Uh, now, on the topic of the art, especially the coloring, I would say, it all does have a very old-timey feel to it, similar to what was done in Gaiman's, like, 1602 two series for Marvel, so I can definitely see what's going on there. You might notice also that I haven't mentioned Morpheus the Sandman yet, and that's because he only shows up at the end of the story to discuss the previously mentioned deal that he and Shakespeare made about 
Will getting inspiration from dreams for all his famous plays. At least that's what I inferred. I haven't read those issues. And he specifies that The Tempest is to be written specifically for Morpheus as a final payment of their arrangement. So Shakespeare is very concerned that he has sold his soul for this deal and that he is going to hell. But Morpheus explains that all Shakespeare did was allow himself to be influenced. There was no witchcraft or magic involved. Now Shakespeare asks Morpheus what his life would have been like had he never agreed to the terms. And Morpheus basically says he would have lived an average life having never been satisfied artistically. Then we learn that Morpheus himself has actually been living vicariously in a way through these plays he requested be written for him because, quote, I am the I prince of stories, Will, but I have no story of my own, nor shall I ever, but I thank you. And then he disappears. <laughs> and then Shakespeare dies on the next page. So yeah, that's basically what the story is. A double-sized issue that is mostly just the life and times of William Shakespeare. Uh, but it seems fitting, I guess, from the perspective of Dream being part of the endless, right? Like by his very nature, there cannot be a final story for the character because he's an eternal concept personified. Uh, but it's not really a bookend to the first issue of the series in any way either. I have that in my long box. It, it just feels like a whim of Gaiman to tie Shakespeare's final work to the end of his own most celebrated series. Maybe a little self-congratulatory in a way? I don't know. Was Gaiman putting himself in the same league as Shakespeare? Based on what I've read in interviews with Gaiman, it doesn't seem likely. He seems like a pretty humble guy with a good sense of humor, but it definitely fits, again, that hoity-toity tone of the series that has always turned me off. But I'm sure it thrilled longtime readers. So, yeah, there it is. That is the end of Sandman. Uh, I mean, eight years is a good run for anybody, and the fact that it continues to be reprinted, the fact that it is carried in libraries, like, that is an achievement in and of itself, that it is considered literature. They won literary awards that then they were told you cannot submit a comic book to these awards anymore. Like, it was a slap in the face to all the actual writers, and of course Gaiman himself writes many novels and collected stories and things like that, so he, just because it gets illustrated doesn't make it any less valuable from an entertainment perspective. But yep, hope you enjoyed my review of Sandman number 75. Now off to your dreams. I think it's time we checked out the top 10 comics list. Yeah, so it's actually been a while since we visited this, just because I felt like it was the same books in all the spots, but my, how things have changed, and I have to say, you know, erroneously, I was reporting that She Number 1 by Billy Tucci never made it past the number 3 spot. I guess I just missed flipping forward to this issue, because She Number 1 is number 1! Yes, so the wizard says, wearing this much makeup isn't really that good for your skin. It clogs your pores, it makes you break out to the point where you look like the flip side of an Nestle Crunch Bar. So all you Long Island girls out there, lay off with the makeup. Give the hairspray a rest too. If we wanted to see clowns, we'd go to the circus. <laughs> Come on, wizard. You gotta lay off here. My, we certainly seem to have strayed from the topic this time, leaving only like five words to describe she number one. Might be tough. We'll give it a shot. Underprinted, well-executed, hot as heck. So yeah, a big, 
big day for Billy Tucci when we put this on social media. A big congratulations to you, sir, for your moment in the sun here. Now, in the number two spot, we have the X-Files number one. Wizard says, We've been making fun of Scully and Mulder for the last couple months, but don't get us wrong. The show's great and all, but these two FBI agents are, well, incompetent. Hey, hey, settle down. Think about it. The only person Scully ever successfully shot was Mulder. Hey, thanks, partner. And every time Mulder has the Lost Ark of the Covenant in his hands, he puts it aside till later and never does anything with it. These two never resolve anything and leave endless plot lines hanging. Hey, it's like Chris Claremont was right in the show. <laughs> There's no denying the show is popular, though, and the comic series is just as hot. Well, Annie Flowers and Steven Cephalus, you guys can tell us. Uh, was that really the case, ultimately? You like the characters, but are the storylines left dangling too often? Alright, number three, the X-Men Omega. With the X-Men so popular that you can't take a whiz without hitting a mutant-related product, you'd think they'd make the X-Titles a little more reader-friendly. We've been reading these books for the last 15 years, and we have a tough time figuring them out. Take this Age of Apocalypse storyline. While cool and all, it was a tad long and certainly frightening to new readers. In it, an alternate timeline group of X-Men battle to free their world from the tyrannical rule of Apocalypse and return their timeline to normal. Wizard, I disagree, because it was a good jumping-on point for me, because it was technically a fresh start. I knew enough about the characters that the new versions were exciting, yet familiar, so yeah, you're off base on that one. Now, the next one here, number four, is Generation X, number one. Though not as wildly popular as the core X-Men books, Generation X is actually one of the better written and more enjoyable Marvel titles. In it, a diverse group of teenage mutants learns to control its powers and try to fit in with everyday life, with the occasional superpowered baddie thrown in to remind you it's a Marvel book. Can't read? Hey, no problem. These cute little mutant tykes are going to be starred in what's sure to be a pretty close comic book adaptation in an upcoming made-for-TV movie on Fox. Set your VCRs. And I did. And as we learned on episode 54, so did Chad. So we've got our VHS copies that we treasure. Now, something I would have bought on VHS if it had ever been officially released. I didn't pick up the bootleg at any conventions, but Gen 13 number one of the miniseries has Wizard taken a stance. This is really interesting. They say, there's nothing wrong with a woman being a lesbian. For those of you who were moaning and groaning about Gen 13 or Rainmaker being a lesbo, give it a rest. Remember how every time you read X-Men and get pissed when someone beats on them because they're dirty muties, i.e. different? Prejudice is prejudice, my friends, so you'd be no different from the bigots portrayed in those comics. Whoa, just enough space left to step off this soapbox and explain that Gen 13 is a book about five superpowered teens dealing with everyday life, timely social issues, and super baddies. Good stuff. So yeah, it's like Wizard, uh, <laughs> one step forward, two steps back, trying to defend, you know, the rights there, and then saying she's a lesbo. I guess just, you know, you can only expect so much from men of that era. <laughs> now, in the number six spot, we had Lady Death, number one. It says, English chicks aren't this pasty. Dead English chicks aren't this pasty. Which kind of shows you how twisted a fanboy's fantasy world could be. If you were to see a chick this white, it'd be creepy. A seven-foot green gal like She-Hulk? Creepy. A hairy broad with cat eyes like Tigra? Creepy. Want a real woman? The kind that talk and don't fight crying in the thong? Then be part of the real world. Don't sit around reading comics all day. If Lady Death is the keeper of the dead, you'll meet her soon enough. Live life while you're young enough to enjoy it. Wow, wizard. Really just uh, trying to educate everybody. Trying to put you uh, on a correct path. Number seven here. This is really odd. Because this is Wolverine number one. Yeah, Wolverine number one of his ongoing series. Like, the one that started in the 80s? 
I don't know what's going on here. Here's what they say. Hey, Retro Wizard at its finest. See an old Marvel on the top 10 list. Behold, Rob Liefeld in the Hot Artist chart. Witness fans actually buying Valiant books. Well, one out of three ain't bad. So I just, I want to know, was there a reason this Wolverine book was uh, in the top 10 list? Like it just became popular all of a sudden? Like it's very odd, but yeah, the uh, crack about Rob not being in the top 10 artist list, it had been a very long time. I bet with Heroes Reborn, we see him uh, right up there near the top, top five at least. All right, uh, number eight is Vengeance of Vampirella. Okay, and I'm not going to read this one because it's kind of offensive. Uh, <laughs> now, number nine is Ash number one. It says, that's odd. Here's a relatively new character that doesn't have a ridiculously contrived and forced name. You know, Rainfire, Bloodpool, Nightwatch. Hey, look at Maraclass. And the list goes on and on. But Ash sounds pretty cool. Fairly neat book, too. Who wouldn't enjoy an action-packed story starring a young New York firefighter who suddenly became a pyrotechnically-powered superhero shrouded in tons of mystery and trauma, plus wicked villains and two cute cats. And number 10, The X-Files number 2. How about that? So here's what it says. Scully Mulder again? We've got nothing new to talk about. So to fill this space, we're going to talk about our favorite episode of Super Friends. Ever see the one where some aliens came to a lifeless Earth in ruins and discovered a diary chronicling how Lex Luthor found this really powerful bomb thing and killed everybody on Earth? Then the aliens go back in time and stop Luther from doing the deed. Cool stuff. Well, see you next month. <laughs> I love how when they're filling space, they're just kind of like, oh, well, let's talk about a favorite show of ours. Now, remember, they've started doing the next 10, making this a top 20 list. So number 11 is X-Man number one. Number 12 is Evangeline number one. At 13 is Dawn number one. Number 14 is Preacher number one. Number 15 is Gen 13 number one of the ongoing series. Number 16 is Wolverine number 75. Number 17 is She number two. Number 18 is Lady Death, and number 19, Angela, number one, number 20, Spawn, number one. So we've got, you know, a lot of familiar uh, titles there and characters, but, you know, Dawn and Evangeline being pretty high up on the list there as the uh, ongoing of Gen 13 was falling, uh, you know, a little bit farther down the list, but interesting, interesting stuff. So there's actually one more bit of funny business from the bullpen section here, which has to do with uh, Mark Wilkowski, who is their contributing editor. And here's what they say. At least he didn't get naked. When Wizard contributing editor Mark Wolkowski attended a taping of the Tempest Bledsoe talk show, yes, Vanessa from The Cosby Show had a talk show. Uh, <laughs> little did he know of the apocalyptic chain of events about to be set in motion. You see, the TV staff circulated a flyer to the audience for an upcoming blind date theme show, and our dignified editor eagerly signed his name, Mark, I'll take anyone, Wolkowski. And when the producers saw that, Mark was instantly picked was set up on a blind date and appeared as a guest the following week. So, how'd it go? Well, the chick didn't dig Mark, even after he boogied his way on stage, but the audience thought he was a cute little guy and the producers invited him back for a second show, something they rarely do. The topic? Muscle men versus wimps. Mark being the main wimp. Anyway, after taking the stage to the theme of Rocky, the tank top wearing Mark insulted the muscle heads, posed him down, and spoke up for sensitive guys everywhere. And as host Tempest, who played Vanessa on The Cosby Show said at the show's end, he taught us 
it's it's what's inside that counts um like self-respect <laughs> so there you go guys we actually had wizard staffers appearing on 90s daytime tv so if anybody knows where you can find all the episodes of the tempest blood show blood show of the tempest blood so talk show on youtube maybe we'll find mark stick it up for sensitive guys everywhere and get rejected after a blind date we all know the feeling well that does it for this edition of wizards half thank you so much for joining me and uh, of course we teased for you that we have a special guest coming up for episode 55 you waited till the end you're our diehards you made it here well here's the deal our guest is none other than jason inman yes he who was formerly the host of dc all access but also the host of the very popular geek history lesson podcast he actually reached out to us he loves 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 wizard magazine we had a great conversation with him so make sure you are subscribed and ready to tune in for episode 55 he was very enthusiastic about it all we had a great heroes reborn discussion i'll also mention that our friends at the dollar bin bandits podcast recently invited us over onto their youtube channel to talk all about 90s gimmick comic covers so we pulled as many as we could out of our log boxes short boxes our 30 years on collections and yeah we uncovered some really bizarre stuff and a couple cool items that a lot of us hadn't seen before so be sure to go over to the dollar bin bandits youtube page and check that out but also we want to hear from you day to day on our social media so check us out at wizards comics on twitter at wizards underscore comics on instagram have you checked out our t public store lately well we've got our new t-shirt design yes our seal logo shirt is now available if you didn't just want the classic logo now you can get that one and enjoy it and show it off to all your friends at conventions tell them how awesome you are spread the word about wizard of course if you have time to leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts or just retweet and share it really means the world to us we have so many people on a daily basis saying oh i'm so excited i found this show and we're excited to be doing it for you but until next time keep your books bagged and boarded This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.